I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today, Augie Fry, who is one of my favorite and most influential yoga teachers and the creator of Augie Ageless Living. That's Augie, A-G-I, Ageless Living. She is available on Facebook and soon online at her own website, but has already created a number of classes and really great work in yoga and somatic movement in particular, although she has a background also in interior design and a lot of other interesting life experiences which you'll get to hear about in today's recording. Hi, I'm Blythe Stevens. I'm an MFA and bliss catalyst who uses she and they pronouns and the creator of A Blythe Coach, helping multi-passionate creatives dance through their difficulties and take leaps of faith into fulfillment through coaching, yoga, and dance education. I came to Augie's class when injured and was doing a gentle yoga class with primarily senior citizens and other folks with uh, certain physical limitations. And I was so impressed at Augie's ability to both work with and accommodate and provide various modifications and variations of yoga poses and provide challenge and motivation to a whole variety of students. While it was a gentle yoga class that I was doing with her, I always was very challenged and grew stronger and more balanced during our work together and was always impressed at her ability to help whoever was showing up in class and somehow intuit what it was that we all needed. And that's something I definitely try to carry forward in my own teaching practice with yoga, of really meeting people where they are, seeing where they need support with their challenges, but also everything that they're capable of and what's possible for them and not use any limitations as an excuse to not experience the full practice of yoga. Not really understanding this when I was young, I really went to yoga, not because I thought the postures were so brilliant, you know, I mean, who knew? We were talking, you know, we were all speaking in, uh, in Sanskrit. We had no idea what forward bend meant in English. <laughs> so teacher's up there in this great yoga outfit, you know, and she is telling you all these in Sanskrit. So all you had to do was watch and imitate her, right? So yeah. Yeah, all you could do, because you had no idea what she's talking about. But then when we got to the relax, after having stretched and then gotten to the relaxation, it was the relaxation that said to me, you got to do this. Because for mm -hmm. the first time in my life, there was just enough parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system unity, you know, that I could relax. Yes. And that's what brought me to yoga, was that ability to, to balance the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system and then see the result of that in my mind when now the mind could rest in the body, the body could rest in the body, the breath could rest in the body, you know, and it was an aha moment. So that's what started my long journey into yoga. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it started back in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, right? Right, it started in San Francisco Bay Area. It was, uh, let's see, it was 1978. 
and that was a long time ago <laughs> and <laughs> I lived in the Napa Valley and there was this little teacher there who was you know saying everything in Sanskrit I mean just a housewife teacher that was very popular you were it was very understood either you're a housewife or you were you know a, a yogi who lived in an ashram but so so I went uh, when I decided that this was pretty miraculous uh, there was only really the Iyengar Institute at that time in San Francisco that mm -hmm. was the leading force in San Francisco. Now that may not be because later on Cape Toby Joe and and Vinyasa and all that, but right then it was just the Iyengar Institute. So I had to go to San Francisco to study. Uh, so I took my uh, beginning two-year training at the Iyengar Institute in San Francisco by driving down there every week and doing classes and you know how that goes. So that was a big commitment, but it also gave me the ability to experience what yoga was, but is, you know, is from that Iyengar perspective. Mm -hmm. And then came along came in the same year, along came uh, Angela, um, Angela Farmer and other people had studied with Iyengar in San Francisco, but she brought in a whole different perspective and she and I had in between done a 10 day silent retreat with Goenkaji from Burma, who oh. was teaching how the Buddhist meditation, how Buddha taught meditation originally, the 30 day silent retreats. Well, this was 10 days because he said in America, we can't get people to sit <laughs> <laughs> but Buddha taught it that way it was a 30 days and at the end of the 10 days uh, there had been a, a tremendous transformation now, I didn't even actually want to leave because I felt like we had just gotten to the place where you could dive deep but that changed the whole relationship of the body and the breath and so I started working with teachers who were a little less uh, strident. I felt that the, the, there was a lot of ego going on at that time with the Inger Institute. And in, 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 in general, you do have to watch that. Uh, if you're young and you're able to do the postures, you think you're doing yoga. And there was such an emphasis already, right, to the postures. There was breath training and there was um, uh, some philosophy, but that really didn't compensate for the overemphasis on doing these postures well, or at least the American right. inversion. Making yeah. them look good, in other words. Making them look good and not really suiting. We weren't, that wasn't, the, my feeling was at that time, and this may have changed because I haven't really kept up with the younger stuff, is that we weren't taking the postures to the student. We were just and so that, so that the posture was not about the student. They, they were teaching postures, they weren't teaching students. And so I was very committed to really working that in a different way. And then that led to studying with myriads of teachers. I mean, I have a long list. <laughs> and then <laughs> the last. <laughs> last, well, I'm 72 now, so. <laughs> and then I spent a month at the, um, ashram the city yoga ashram in Fallsburg and there we were doing John friend had come along and he was 
also doing the breathing and the yoga and the so mm -hmm. their teacher training i took a month-long teacher training there and then i went to the himalayan institute and studied pranayama uh, there and my stepmother was teaching yoga was associated with the himalayan institute and i have uh, i think they're probably in the tradition of um not Patanjali, uh, what's his name? I can't think. Rama, you know who I'm talking about. It's it'll come to me. And and so I was. I really liked the Himalayan Institute. I hold them in really high regard. They're very very well educated, mm -hmm. and served. They were really service oriented. So I spent uh, quite a bit of time there as well. Well, not as yeah. much as I'd like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still not enough. <laughs> Well, you know, it's a lifetime journey, and if you yeah. look at it that way, it kind of changes your need to hurry. Because sometimes, you know, that pranayama teacher training, it took me, well, the teacher training itself was only, I think, five days, but it took you, it took me maybe another six months to fully digest the whole idea of the pranayama and that we can control this and control that. So a lot of the other teachers were more advanced in the pranayama than I was, I have to admit. But um, because I was always warned and I had a big warning, don't teach pranayama, don't do it on, on your, by yourself unless you have a, a teacher trainer, unless you are have somebody to teach you. Now the five-day teacher training is really not having somebody to teach you. This is the trouble with the short trainings. You really, what I discovered when I did the 10-day breathing thing with um, Goenkaji is that it takes time. We're not prepared. We're not prepared for that. The body is, it's like, you know, it needs that cleansing. So what would you do to cleanse the body to be able to really hold the breath? You know, all of those things. So it's not just simple, I'm going to just do pranayama and that'll be great. Yeah, you can get psychotic as well. So, <laughs> you know, and I saw this happen. So yeah, I was very cautious about pranayama, what it means to the body and the mind and not just teach it unless I felt very competent teaching. And I really only feel, after all these years, I only really feel competent teaching two or three of the pranayamas that I've practiced and understand. And I feel like I can do that, but I would not not feel free to, you know, just just um, spread that and then spread it wrong, you know. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, yeah, the pranayama is tricky. <clears throat> I know they say it should also be the physical practice and asana first too, and then once you've got connection with your body and and some control there then you bring in that layer of, of pranayama too well if you're doing really good work with your asanas if you don't leave the breath out of it then the pranayama already starts the purification because every time mm. you're inhaling and exhaling and connecting it to the body and watching and you know watch where the breath is watch where the breath is then then already when you sit down to do pranayama, you've already have a little understanding that the pranic body is huge. It's bigger than the physical body, right? You can feel that. And the then the 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 body with the physical yoga or any even somatic yoga, you begin to let go of those tensions so that the body cleanses naturally. It isn't a force thing. We always want to put everything on 
ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of watching what happens, what happens when I did that, trying to pose my whole chest open, what happened there? You know, what did I have that capacity to take that breath from the base of the spine to the top of my chest? I couldn't do that when I came into class. Mm-hmm. Observing the before and after, you know, what just happened for me that then allows you to when you sit down into meditation you're prepared because your body we're not meditating per se we're getting our body ready for that we're growing that field you know we're doing what the Bhagavad Gita did you have the body it's the field and you're cultivating cultivating that body to do the opening to do the meditation to do the release it's not the other way around in the west we think we control it we're going to put it on our body and we're going to do it and we're going to sit there and then say oh i just didn't have a good meditation well because it's the other it's together right the other way around even if even if you had two minutes of silence you had a better meditation than if you didn't that's how i look at it but yeah um, yeah so it's that idea that we cultivating this field which is our body for all of these practices, which then bring us home. And then we have creativity, right? We don't, we're not locked down. We're not, we're flow. We have confidence. We have things that we can't get other ways. We just can't, we can try. And all these things help this psychotherapies and this, and they all help. But it's when you're getting it from the inside, out is when you really you know you all of a sudden you have a treasure you know you understand that this is nothing anyone can take from you it's a very different feeling than if you put things on you oh it's noisy outside i couldn't meditate because it's so noisy outside you know what i mean right yeah yeah somebody closed the door oh and i just got so distracted which is not to not to say not to say there's anything wrong with those experiences it's just to say that we're still then trying to put it on rather than bringing it forth from the inside and focusing and concentrating one really powerful course at the himalayan institute that you might be interested in is the vikosha meditation technique Mm. and it's um I, i took a training last year even if you just take that you know just practice it it's very powerful it goes back to the whole history of this connecting the breath and moving in and out so very much like the stuff that we were doing with goenkaji but anyway so that my whole journey with yoga is that and coming to a place in your 72 and feeling like okay i'm really not aging in ways that um I thought I would be because we all hold that aging concept, right? The culture looks at old people and they're leaning over and they have a cane and they can barely walk and they're shuffling their feet. You know, that aging concept is all over the world. Nobody gets free of that. But if you can stop that, then you will see that the power of the yoga stuff is yoga, the meditation, the breathing, even if it doesn't have to be this massive amount like people think even if you just do it for 20 minutes a day you know i think part of what we also have i've got to do two hours every day you know and the body you know the beautiful thing i love about the philosophy the body wasn't meant for that it was meant for nice stretches or meant for detoxifying or meant to breathing it was meant to eat the right food it was meant to you know meditate it wasn't meant to be like 
I am the yoga marathon, you know, which I was <laughs> yeah. trying to that's something um, I noticed since I got done with my teacher training because <clears throat> the studio where I studied, which is, it's a lovely um, vinyasa studio and oh, nice, um, yes. and their classes are typically 90 minutes, which was cool. I, uh, I enjoy how you, that gives you the spaciousness to have a Dharma talk beforehand, some pranayama, yes. Yes. a real nice Shavasana at the end and whatnot, but it's yes. still pretty intensive to be doing yoga for 90 minutes, which was great. I was super ripped for that year and <laughs> it's fun. It was great. But since pandemic, um, most of my my personal practice has been really personal practice, just me doing whatever I feel like. And then also trying a plethora of, of videos online to see what all is out there in the world of YouTube. And so I've tried all kinds of stuff. I tried chair yoga and um, you know, all kinds of things, but usually they're about 20 to 30 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love that. And I've gotten really used to it. So now if I do like a 55 minute, one hour practice, I'm like, oh boy, this is really long. <laughs> well, it's interesting because when we were studying at the Institute, you had to commit to an hour a day. That was, you, and you could tell the people who were actually doing the hour a day. I don't remember, we're in my 20s. And most people were even younger than me. I was like one of the older students at 27. Because you know how that was. It's always the youth that embraces uh, the change. Right, um, the new, the new So I am pretty used to the hour-long practice for myself. Um, if I'm going to do a practice like that, I'll usually start with, you know, some sun salutations because they're so powerful. I've added the Viparia carnea because that's super great for digestion and anti-aging, aging successfully. But yeah, it is challenging to do a whole hour of, especially when you're by yourself. It's much easier when you're teaching, don't forget. Yeah, because yes. you know you're leading this group, and one of the things I did take from the Himalayan Institute practice, they would do if we did an hour and a half class, we would have like a shavasana in between, like a we do a series of standing postures and we do a shavasana, then we do a series of sitting postures and then we do shavasana, then we do like you know so if not a three to four minutes shavasana and. That is kind of what I'm doing now. I really like that in-between pause. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you get a chance for that body to just take in all what you did. And you're now just going, going, going. And for I think for our American, or I'm not sure, German-American mind, maybe they're similar, that drive changes. Because one thing what people can't do is, is to relax. Mm-hmm. And so our, there is that theory in vinyasa and the other, that if you work the body really fast, then it will relax. So, which is very, it, and it's true. Yeah, you know, it, just you exhausted. Don't have <laughs> You're exhausted. But the idea was, the idea is in, in the other way, is that you're toning the, balancing again, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is just running all the time. And by running it for that 15, 20 minutes, you're doing the practice, and then taking that five minutes to rest, it's teaching that you can do that, 
and then you rest. And mm -hmm. I found that to be more powerful than doing an hour and resting because exhaustion doesn't allow you to really take in what you've done. You're kind of checking out mm. on that relaxation, right? You're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you just let go. But here you begin, when you're doing it that way, you, you actually become aware that, oh, I'm, oh, that area, I really moved that. I'm going to rest that. Or, oh, that hip was a little sore in that asana. I'm going to just really take my breath there. So you got to do the, all that healing from there, and then you would do the next, and then you get a little like that. Mm -hmm. And so it, um, for me, I think it's a more effective way to balance the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, and then you get better at it. it the, you start to be able to work very focused, and then you can relax without being exhausted and having to be out of breath because you weren't really watching the breath in that particular asana or being out of breath when you get up to go because you really didn't really relax you j long enough or Exhaustion is not the same as conscious relaxation. And Shavasana is meant for conscious relaxation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of the yoga nidra kind of concept where you're still mm -hmm. awake, but you're going deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So my, yeah that's my, my input on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally agree. My, I feel my, my practice is really going well and, and was encouraged by you also. Um, the incorporating yin yoga and restorative yoga as part of the rhythm. I remember used to do yin yoga like once a month or something like this pretty often. Once, yeah, well, once a week we used to do it once a week. I right, started right. getting the rhythm, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And and the whole, yeah, yoga nidra and, and the, it's feeling good. <laughs> That's really I know. <laughs> That's really what you're after. It's a feeling good. You want to feel good and you want to feel free. The whole concept of yoga is to create freedom. Yeah, yeah. In the body and in the mind and in the whole experience. Uh, yeah, so that's great. I'm glad you're doing the into it. People really love the into somatic that I'm doing. I'm really excited that they like that. It's very simple. We'll do some yin stretches and then I'll do some somatics and then go into another yin pose. And they really have liked that. That was the first active thing I set up after doing the, after um, you know getting online was doing a yin because it was sitting, right? <laughs> and and mm -hmm. then I did try to, when I was outside, I could take the camera back enough to do some standing kind of things. And that worked out pretty well too, but yeah. I'm hearing a beeping. Is that on my end? or That's my, that's on my oh, end. I'm sorry. Okay. I have a short in my computer and I am really sorry about that. That's okay. I just want to make sure. Well, I would love to go just a little bit back how you were describing the somatic movement as being these really simple, painless sorts of of movements and then yes so the 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 thing was that of course i was teaching you for a really really long time and as you get older i did notice that even though i've been teaching and practicing my body felt much more limited this is not an experience that you can get when you're 20 or 25 or even 30 but now i'm in my 70s right mm -hmm. and a lot of yoga teachers you'll notice they stop teaching in their 70s it's not or they say oh i hardly do the physical yoga i only do 
the meditation or the inspirational work, but I've always felt very committed to the physical aspect because it leads so into the wisdom, you know, there's no separation in my mind. So the mm-hmm. somatic work, I started doing that because I really couldn't get relief for my neck. And I've seen yoga therapists, I chiropractors, and everybody else. And all of a sudden, we're in the pandemic. And it was a little bit before. I started about a year and a half before we left Hawaii. And I started working with a somatic teacher, and instantly, it changed. I mean, it sounds funny. Not instantly, but within that session. I wasn't pain-free. Wow. But I was definitely not in that level of pain, and I didn't have to do much, but I did have to hoist my awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, it, everything in the somatic work is, do you know exactly what your body's doing? Is your breath and body connected? So there was a level there that was very inspiring, but then also he talks about the trauma because all this work is based on Thomas Hanna. I, I work with his work and he okay. was in Moshi, Moshi and then Sisal and these other great guys who thought how stress lives in the body. And we understand this as yoga practitioners. This mm-hmm. is one of the things that we're always talking about. But this is not why necessarily why people go to yoga. It starts to reveal itself to you as you're practicing. Oh, I'm holding on to that or I've got pain here. But we tend to blame that on the physical only. Oh, you know, I did this or that. I don't know what I did. Always people will say, I don't know what I did. And I tell them, don't look for what you did for the cause. Look for the cure because you won't necessarily know what you did. You may just move wrong and you have this blocked up area of your body that isn't messaging anymore. And you are not going to be able to free yourself if you're stretching on already tight parts, you know this as a, a dancer. Yeah, but that's the tendency, right? You're like, oh, it hurts. Ooh, I'm gonna stretch it, stretch it, stretch it, and that does not work. <laughs> it does not work. And the difference between <laughs> somatic and yoga is in yoga, you're stretching, and in somatics, you go to the source. You contract the source, you contract that pain, which is even, and then you let it go which lengthens it but it's not going around it it's going right to the source which i think for me it was absolutely revolutionary because that's not really what we do in yoga we do a body of stretches Mm -hmm. that we consider is pretty good for most people uh lots of people as they age and even you'll watch them with their posture changes so he talks about the reflexes that we have, trauma reflex. Mm-hmm. We have the go, we have the people lean forward, we have the people push forward. Mm-hmm. And one of the most inspiring things that happened was to see my students change so quickly. From We do the somatics and they get up and say, oh, I feel free, I feel... So what it, the promise of somatics is, is that you will re- wake up the amnesia in your body, the sensory motor amnesia that has locked down from just a natural living more than 40, 45. Those contractions happen all the time. We don't even really notice them. The contractions in the neck from at the computer, you know, all of a sudden, oh, I'm mm-hmm. kind of tired. But it's uh, the long muscles of the back when you're sleeping. All of those contract. And the simple exercises are to release those, let the body know, okay, we're still here, we need your attention. Now, when you have a trauma or an injury, that solidifies. Mm -hmm. And there is really 
this whole process, very simple exercises to tell the brain, okay, we're going to make this sensory motor loop. I need you to get some information here. We're going to open it up and then you begin to be free. It's, it's like how when we were kids, you know, we move so freely, we don't think about it. Mm-hmm. It starts to bring that lightness to your body, that same kind of inner freedom. You feel like everything is flowing because when you're young, it doesn't make any difference how much you weigh, right? You just feel weightless and mm-hmm. free, right? Mm-hmm. But we have a huge expectation that we're going to get old and we're going to be somehow crippled. We have this. We have it. It's everywhere in the culture. It's not successful aging. It's just that we're going to get old and then we won't be able to do this and we won't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, we, and so there, the question of somatics was why? Why do, why do we have to die that way? Why do we insist that as we age, that's what's going to happen? Maybe mm-hmm. that's not the thing. And so that's where this work comes from. And the yoga goes so nicely too, because now when I'm doing a yoga posture, where I've now lengthened those low back muscles, which is such a critical part of it. Everything according to somatics is right in the mid body, right in the, you know, the pelvis. We talk about the center of the body in yoga, right? Mm-hmm. And we watch how people stand their posture and then their response to that posture and how they adjust for their posture. It doesn't necessarily correct posture. That was the thing that I found. Yeah. With the it doesn't necessarily take those patterns that you've already maybe solidified and say, hey, there's potential here. So I used to have a very strong forward right shoulder movement in my shoulder cuff. And I went to everybody, the yoga therapist, and I'm, well, you know, we can't find anything. We don't know what it is. Well, it happened to be that traumatic response forward movement of the body, which then allows this whole collapse of the shoulder. Right, right. right. That protective... Uh, yeah, the protective, mm-hmm. which was, they spoke to that trauma mm-hmm. that was, of course, being a, a escaping from Hungary during the revolution. By the way, it's 65 years this year of oh, that revolution. Wow. So it's oh, been really wow. part of my consciousness the whole time. And, and not actually ever having released that, even though I was well stretched. That's what it was to me. So that's why I love it so much. And I love the fact that my my students, especially those who've had like hip injuries and knee injuries, I just, when I'm done with your class, I feel so good. So not tired, but revitalized. So that mm-hmm. I think is super critical for our, anyone over 45. My son, who's the big CEO, you know, he we were there visiting and he had this back issue and you know, he ne- I could never, ever convince him that what I was doing, you know, he liked the yoga stretches, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I got him <laughs> on the floor, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to help you. And he goes, oh, thank God you're here. I'm going to help you because I sent him the booklet I wrote. And you just, all you have to do is relax and just do the movements. Don't try to do them. And within a half hour, by the, well, it was about an hour we were up. He, oh, I feel so much better. So the next day, can we do some more? So this to me is an amazing thing because he's only 41. Mm-hmm. But one yeah. of the cultures, he's a very, in a stressful position, right? As we all are now, but you know, so stress, not at all stress. Yeah. And the body responds and it will shut you down. That's just what it is. It's going to shut you down. 
so I love this work for that. And of course, the yoga goes so nicely with it. There's no separation. So one of the things I really discovered is when we had to escape from this fire, we oh, had yeah. to evacuate. And I was feeling fine, but this we had this evacuation and we had to take five things or whatever, you know. Yeah. So we packed the car and went, okay, now this reminds me of a previous experience, uh, you know, my escape from Hungary. But then while I was in, all of a sudden my left hip, which really had an old injury and I've been nursing and doing better with it, it just went full on, full on, you know, and I thought, okay, all right. This is so true. You have this stress, and it's that old injury or whatever you were still holding on to there, just came on. And um, so there are seven basic exercises, and, and Hannah says, if you have a stress, or if you have something very traumatic, just go back to the basic seven, which realigns the hips, you know, starts the rotation, starts the flow, allows you to come back slowly to yourself and stay with that practice and just do it. So I got up and just did it three mornings in a row. And by the third morning, I was fine. Now, you know, that's just it. That's the miracle of of combination of different things. I think miracle of being with yourself in an attentive way, and also mm -hmm. then recognizing how a trauma can really affect your body. You know, it just does. We think it's all in our head. You know, well, we I got so upset, I got so afraid. Yeah, you did all that, and then you also planted it nicely in that left hip and then left hip says well sorry you don't get to be free of this until you sit down and work with it yeah, yeah. as you progress in this work what you get inspired and it's not it's not your thinking it's you just get downloaded <laughs> here say this yeah so yeah i do have another platform that when we travel, I'm going to blog on because it has like, you could have three websites on. So I thought, well, you know, and I paid for that already, but I haven't learned how to use it. Yeah. And you could also sell printed stuff on there. And they weren't yeah. quite developed. Like you couldn't do the email yet, but now they've gotten to where you can do the email. They've developed it. And I've already paid for that. Yeah. But uh, so I, I have to start to do that because when we're in, but when I were in Europe, uh, or when we, where we traveled, and I want to post something still for the somatic stuff, but then I also want to talk about, I'm really feeling this is the time to, to write, finish that story, and really work with my heritage on that, mm -hmm. and, um, and not put it off, you know? yeah. because you can continue, I know, so I don't want to sever all the teaching, but I also want yeah. to really work on that because that part of my life is the one that is has dominated most of my choices. Anytime you have something traumatic, and once you recognize it, it's very helpful to find a way to articulate it into the world and do your healing from that point of view, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so I, I feel that wanting to balance teaching and practicing and writing and creating and <laughs> moving. Yes, <laughs> moving. I mean, you still have to, you know, in Europe, I probably wouldn't have to, and it isn't that I have to work, but I always feel better when I'm working. I mean, I yeah. 
and I feel like I'm still giving to the society and giving to my students. I feel yeah. makes me feel, you want to contribute. You know, you have something something that is valuable, and they you built this trust. Now, building that trust takes a long time, as you've experienced. You know, there's, um, and also there was a thing about really having, adding on a specialty that was really what I felt was helpful right now. Because mm -hmm. there's zillions of yoga teachers and zillions of people online, everyone claiming everything else, you know, and you will have to spend years building that up. And at 72, I have to ask myself, I feel like I really have served through many, many years of teaching and many, many years of design, I don't feel like I sat back and only took what took and took and took and didn't give back. So I don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, what I'm saying, like people say, oh, yeah. now I'm 75, I want to give back. I said, I've been doing it all along. Given. <laughs> yeah, no problem there. I've been putting my putting my give out bag pretty high. So and then with the grandchildren and we have one grandchild who is who has uh, Angelman's, which is a very rare disease. And it um, my son's first son. And it, it's a disease where he can't maybe will never talk. He's walking. They said he wouldn't walk, but he it's a deletion of a gene. Uh, and I know the whole technical thing, but it's not coming to me. But so that's been a very interesting thing. And my son's been really working hard on helping him do that. Mm -hmm. So I also have to have time for grandchildren. Yeah. So the beauty of it is, you know, sitting with yourself and this will help the practice helps because I've been doing meditation online with my students too. And this has been wonderful. And that doing that is to really sit with yourself and know what's, what is really important now. You know, that is the, always the question, right? And for you, it's you're you're in a new society, so you have this ability to really. Once that starts to roll in a way where you're not having to work it, then mm -hmm. you will find, you'll have its own momentum. Yes. And then you'll have yes. a little more time, and you get past the first two years. The first year is just yeah. so hard, and with the pandemic. Yeah, this, it's been hard for everybody, but yeah, especially yeah, trying to get rolling but but it takes time like you said it, it just takes time contrary to what instant philosophy we have on the web everybody instantly you're going to be famous and instantly yeah 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 you but I think, over in a way it's good to, to not quite realize how long it's going to take at the beginning because <laughs> then you're like okay doo -doo -doo. and then you don't realize until some time has gone by that it's going to really yeah and then that's okay too. <laughs> well, you, as long as you know you have enough and you are, yeah. are happy and you are growing slowly, but surely I think that is all that's required, right? Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So you're in Tahoe, but trying to make the make your transition <clears throat> over when that's possible, huh? Yeah, we're in Tahoe and we have re renovated our cabin. And so we are, they changed their rental laws. They can't do them for just two weeks at a time or five days at a time. It has to be 30 days at a time. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try and develop some international clients who do come for 30 days at a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are people here who do want to come to here because it's such a unique location, even in Tahoe. It's very hard to have beach access. Mm -hmm. And we want. 
so Tahoe. So, but we still would like to finish our our um, what do you call it? Our list, our bucket list. I still want to re get my citizenship renewed, and I could do it from here. And but my son got involved, which make is making things actually harder than easier. But that's all right. At least he has a lawyer, so they can make sure everything's going well. Yeah. And I want to definitely go back to Hungary with my camera, do my own Hungarian things, and. You know, you, you. I realize it's a small country. It's only 10 million people. Think about that. 10 million wow. people. Right. But it's a big culture, and um, part part of what I've missed is the cultural things that you miss when you're young. Even though we have a lot of it at home, so mm -hmm. I would just like to go to some of the places we haven't gone yet in Hungary, and then finish some of the European things. We went to Portugal last a couple of years ago when we went to Hungary for my sister's reunion. Her, 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 um, so we went to Portugal, really liked Portugal. I've been to Italy, loved being in Italy. Mm -hmm. we Michael was from uh, uh, Scotland. We haven't gone there yet. So finishing that, mm -hmm. my son thinks he's going to keep the business in Hungary. So we might actually, he's might buy something there and then just rent it while we're not there. That's a very big deal. They have a huge, they have as many people visit as, as people live there per mm -hmm. year. Yeah. 15 million people come a year. Uh, it's the 15th most popular uh, capital to visit. Yeah city in the world to visit. So that's pretty high up there. So yeah. you know, when you go there in the summer, there's just tourists everywhere. So we don't <laughs> want to be in Budapest itself, but the Baltimore <laughs> area or some other area would be nice or a less visited country would be nice. And the grandchildren should get, um, have a real whiff of, of um, their heritage. I'm the historian in the family. My mother trusted me with all the documents my grandfather's and mother's marriage certificate, you know, all of this stuff I have. And yeah. it's going to take some time to sort out. And I'm starting to want to share with my family because they're very misinformed and may, they make things up, which is, I said, don't make things up. <laughs> <laughs> we have documentation here. Yeah, we, can, we don't have to make it up. We can know. We don't have to make it up. And you know, that whole... Uh, uh, one of the things that plays with my mind is how do I make that story more public? The idea that, you know, we did fly over an Eisenhower's plane and that there was this huge, uh, we, in, from Munich, they had sent planes from all over the world to, uh, and America to come and pick up refugees. And also mm -hmm. the, from the boat area, it was in, I can't remember, German, there was a German port, uh, begins with a B, and the ships were leaving from there. I can't think of the name. Bergenhaven, I think it was. Okay. Berkhaven or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that would be a, a story that could either be good on PBS or something yeah. like that. It just feels like that's also part of my mission and that I felt like that's becoming more. I started doing that 10 years ago. Then, of course, I'm still working full time. You really, you can't um, give it the the time it deserves. So I really want to give that some time. Yeah, because I think it would be a good story for people to know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So do it. anyway, and do it. Share, share me, share with me your, um, 
however it is possible to get your pamphlet as well and any other um yeah any other online online my online i don't really have i do have a, a, a youtube but i haven't really made it public so but i do have info at augie's ageless living right and there you can send me an email and i can send you a link to get the booklet the booklet is fifteen dollars which is not cheap but it's all hand printed so and then um, I am putting together a landing page so people can get an idea of what I do for a free class. And uh, that isn't together yet, but that would be very helpful. But that's gonna be under that ageless living. Usually with the work, I have people contact me. Then I, have, I send them a link for a free class and we have a free online Zoom class because it's not something that you should just go and do. It's something that the, the I need to look at your posture, I need to see how you move, and then uh, the classes, then you get a link to the classes after you've done a couple of these classes so that we can see where you are. Thank you for listening. You're invited to connect with me anytime and I welcome your questions and comments at Abe Life Coach on social media and at ablythecoach.com. That's A-B-L-Y-T-H-E-C-O-A-C-H.com. I'll look forward to seeing you there until next time.